Important Tide Research podcast is about interviewing researchers and providing an insight into their field and how they think of their field overall. It is specific in exploring and documenting some of their current or past research from the preconception of their hypothesis right through to the communication of their findings, delving into their decision-making process along the way. The discussion is generalized in hearing their thoughts on key themes within research and what their line of work takes and requires of them. The aim of Portent Tide is to put the science researchers undertake into a format that is more engaging with the capacity to reach further out to larger audiences. With a determination to maintain quality and trust with researchers by publishing the discussion in full only upon the approval of the researcher. This podcast is a conversation with Estefania Fernandez, discussing her PhD research into the decaying process of fallen trees within fragments of tropical forests and plantations in the region surrounding Las Cruces Biological Station in southern Costa Rica. The decomposition of trees is a process of chemical, physical and biological weathering. Estefania was measuring factors related to and caused by this weathering. We discuss her research process and decisions made informing her hypotheses and methods, as well as the difficulty imposed by the data collection and field component of her research. We also explore key themes within research and how Estefania navigates the challenges within these themes. It was my pleasure hearing about this work. Understanding how tropical forest decomposition occurs provides an insight into a broad array of systems and how they perform the necessary function of decaying over time. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Awesome. So I guess where we start is, mm-hmm. first of all, thanks for sitting down with me mm-hmm. and um, like introduce yourself and um, your background and yeah, let's go from there. Okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, my name is Estefania. Uh, I'm originally from Bolivia. Mm-hmm. And I am in my entering my fifth year of my PhD dissertation in biology and ecology, and I'm focusing my research on tropical forest restoration. So that's basically uh, when there is a forest that has been deforested or disturbed, uh, we just try to figure out how to help it recover faster so that it can achieve le- the levels of biodiversity that are present in um, forests that have not been disturbed. Okay, cool. So that's that's the overall aim, in general. In terms, that, is that the hypothesis as well, or so? So that's the general. That's the general aim. Project, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. And I am particularly working with dead wood. Okay. So I'm seeing how different ways of doing forest restoration help uh, the amounts of dead wood on the ground to recover. Okay. Uh, after a disturbance. Okay. So. That's good, good to hear because wh- what I want to know is so first, as I sort of discussed about in the search, um, I suppose, where did you start when you began looking at um, forest recovery uh-huh. and what led you to the deadwood factor and researching that? So what led me to the deadwood factor, um, well, I guess there were different things. <laughs> It was not necessarily a question I came up to because like, I was interested in it. I mean, of course, obviously, that wood is very important for insects and decomposition and all that. But actually, I was going to do my dissertation on uh, epiphytes, which is plants that live on top of other plants. Yep. And I had to climb trees. So I 
ended up deciding I didn't <laughs> want to climb up trees. <laughs> and so I think in my third year, I had to decide I didn't want that. And um, one advisor told me, oh, what do you think about course with debris? And I was like, yeah, I'll look into that. It's on the ground. <laughs> yeah, it's on the ground. It that sounds nice because I hadn't worked with insects and it's related to insects because insects have their homes there. Many insects, not all of them. Uh, and yeah, so I started looking a little bit into what course we did debris was, and uh, I, I was interested, so I ended up doing my dissertation with that. Okay, awesome. <laughs> oh, awesome. So how did you narrow, once you started looking at the deadwood, mm-hmm. how did you narrow down factors to say, this is what I want to research specifically about about this topic? How did I narrow that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I guess for me, it was more of a, like a matter of... Um, what I could logistically do. And sometimes that can happen in science. Mm-hmm. So I knew I had already experience with insects and I know they are very dependent on that wood and they are also very important to be recovered in the restoration sites. Mm-hmm. So I decided I was gonna look into how the restoration treatments recover dead wood, but also the insects that are associated to it. Awesome, okay. All right. So. You- State the hypothesis one more time, so I just hear the. the okay, the so variables. the hypothesis is, um, let's try me, let, let me try to say it in an easy way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I understood. I, I just want to hear because um, I want to hear the variables again, just to to hear specifically like yeah. how many how, how many different factors are there within the hypothesis, or is it being broken down into several elements that you're studying? Uh, there are s- several elements. So in the, so there's several hypotheses. Yeah, yeah that's what, yes. that's what I'm curious about. Okay. Yeah. So the first one is, uh, how do different restoration treatments allow the uh, reaccumulation of dead wood on the forest ground? Okay. And so the first hypothesis would be that, um, restoration plantations, which is places that you have planted with, uh, native trees are more efficient at, you know, reaccumulating dead wood on the forest ground compared to places that where you have just fenced around and just excluded the cattle. Okay, right. And so uh, wait, so yeah, we'll, go, we'll, we'll list them all and then okay. we'll move from there. The second one is more related to the insects that live inside the dead wood. So it would be um, how do different restoration treatments, in this case the plantations or the naturally regenerated vegetation, allow the recovery of insects that live inside that wood um, you know to levels that are currently existing in forests that have not been disturbed so basically I'm going to compare insects inside the wood in those three treatments so old growth forest plantation and naturally regenerated vegetation and the hypothesis again would be that plantations are better I'm recovering the insects compared to naturally regenerated vegetation just because plantations, you already have a structure um, uh-huh. where, you know, there's trees. Those trees might die, branches might fall, and so that's just automatically going to provide habitat for the insects to colonize. Fantastic. And then the third one, I guess it's kind of unrelated to the first two. It's, it's more related to the decomposition, but decomposition is also very important, you know, cycle of an ecosystem that we want to recover with restoration. So the question is, um, you know, does coarse woody debris uh, decay faster or slower in different restoration treatments? And so the hypothesis is that it's going to decay the fastest in forests that have not been disturbed, uh, you know, um, at a medium speed in plantations, because in plantations you have a canopy, you have a high humidity, 
and then the slowest in naturally re regenerated vegetation, which is typically composed of a lot of grasses and there's a lot of sun. So that, in theory, that should slow down decomposition. Awesome. So why did you choose this location of Simply say, you can exp explain yeah. where we are as well. Well, uh, um. I did my master's dissertation here, uh, and I, you, you, did, you know, did it in those sites as well. Okay, <laughs> right. That I'm using now, and uh, I knew I wanted to work with for something related to forest restoration, but it's difficult to start a forest restoration project for your PhD dissertation because that would involve planting treelets somewhere where there's nothing. Um, and that requires a lot of time. So these sites were already established and I already knew the researchers. And so I figured, why don't I ask them if I can work in their sites and just measure how much dead wood is in the floor of those forests. Awesome. Okay. Um, so how does, so, so the, basically what narrowed it really down, down is the familiar, familiarity with place as I get it out. Mm -hmm. Um, can you explain how, uh, this specific site in relation to the fragmentation works and in relation to how that functions with your research as well. You mean the biological station? Or? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess, so you're, you're saying you're, you're working between uh, plantations, old forest growth and... Yes. and okay. So I'm wondering how, how does that fa uh, factor in with the farmland around here or um, oh. the different fragments as well? Is, is there any interaction between... Um, I am not sure, but the fragment here in this area, it, the, the area is very, very fragmented. So there's like small forest patches everywhere, and sometimes there are scuffy plantations, and then you have a pasture land. That's pretty yeah. much what it is. And all my sites are surrounded by that. And fortunately, all of them have one old-growth forest that I can compare things okay. to. Right, sure. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, so that's really a different factor altogether, like really addressing yeah. like fragmentation. Okay, yes. yeah. awesome. Um, well, let's explore the method. What, like, how did you, mm -hmm. how did you, uh, other than location, how did you um, narrow things down from there? For methods, okay, let's see. So, for measuring uh, deadwood volumes, which is what I am using for proxy of amount of you know logs that are in the ground, I'm just measuring their volume. Uh, I just uh, looked up papers that had measured deadwood volumes yeah. in forests and uh and there's several ways to do it uh sometimes people uh you know draw a line and they measure every log that falls on that line uh, -huh. uh but the calculations are kind of hard and then i think you can estimate biomass if you have certain data but you can't estimate volume and mm -hmm. then there's this other method that i'm using that i found on these papers where you establish a transect which is like a, a strip line basically uh -huh. And you measure the diameter and the length of all, of any logs falling within that transect, and then you calculate volume as a, a, a cylinder, and it's pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, it sounds it sounds complicated, but I, I get it. I understand it, like from from previous ex previous yeah. experience. Um, okay. So, and what are the measures in relation to um, collecting insects? And you said that you, you're looking at biodiversity, but um, yeah, yeah. What, uh, so for capturing insects, uh -huh. what I'm doing is pitfall traps. Uh, it's um, these plastic cups that you fill with water and soap. Uh, and that you, I mean, I guess you bury them uh, on the ground so that the cup is, the rim of the cup is at level with the ground. And so soap breaks surface tension. So any insects that are walking there unattentively and fall uh -huh. won't be able to escape. <laughs> and so I'm so. putting those traps near the, near logs that I put uh, 
in those restoration sites last year and also far away from them to see how how the diversity of insects differs between being very close to the log and far away from the log. And so, in okay. theory, the insects that are more associated with the log should be more present in the traps that are close to the logs, mm -hmm. and then other types of insects should be in the traps that are far away from them. Okay. All right. And the last factor? Decomposition. Mm -hmm. So, uh, decomposition, I am measuring... Um, Okay, so last year when I came here, I cut 300 pieces of wood of like very similar size <laughs> and the same species. Uh, and I put them, I put all of them distributed in the restoration sites, li let them there uh, for a year. And then uh, before introducing them, of course, I weigh them. And so now I retrieve them and I'm weighing them again to figure out how much mass they've lost. And so normally they should be lighter now because Normally, they should have lost mass. Okay, awesome. Obviously, I'm drying them before doing that because mm -hmm. water can <laughs> confuse yeah, a lot okay. of things. <laughs> awesome. So, what is, yeah, let's talk about what you what you found so far like in your data collection and coming back here. Is there, well, first of all, coming, coming back here, uh -huh. uh, what was that like in terms of um, returning in terms and finding whatever you've found? Was it, uh -huh. was it a surprise or? A part of it was a surprise, especially the logs. Uh, and I haven't analyzed that data yet, but uh, they were not nearly as decomposed as I had expected them to be. Really? Okay. <laughs> no. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, now that I'm drying them, I can see that many of them were very eaten by insects. So, you know, maybe it was a, a first impression. But, yeah, I was very scared that I wasn't going to find any effect. And I don't know that I'll find any effect because maybe it's been too little time. Okay. I mean, just a question of that. Um, how do the insects eat the logs from in terms of is it they chew out through the core yes so sometimes they will uh so i think they might be entering the logs mostly through the sites because these were cut down logs or if there's like a, a knot that has a little hole that's where they come in from and so typically it's wood eating insects so mostly beetles um i saw a few centipedes mm -hmm. okay cool and, and is that what you're finding that's in the pitfall traps, what you're finding there? Or is that within, that within is the wood itself? That, that is within the wood itself. Okay, all right. And in the pitfall traps, I'm actually finding completely different things, <laughs> mostly ants. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Awesome. So um, out of interest, what were the, dung, what were the beetles? Were, were there any dung beetles in, in relation to that? Uh, I don't think that they were dung beetles. I have some samples that I still need to get identified okay uh, so I'm, I don't know what they are okay interesting I'm, yeah. I'm intrigued I'm intrigued yeah. um, so in placing so you're at you're so basically you're at the data collection phase so it's it's difficult to just break into well a discussion, I, I, yeah, but it's kind of collected but I'm still I just analyzed things for chapter two which is um, uh, the, how the volumes of debt would evolve through time okay and so I guess the answer is they increase and they increase very fast from zero to 50 years. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of stabilize from 50 to over 100 years old. Oh, what does that stabilization mean? Though? It means there's a plateau. So I guess in terms of, I'm trying to think of it in terms of how forests regenerate, which I guess makes sense. So like if you, for example, if you go somewhere and you deforest a place, and if you do what typically people do here, which is all use all the logs that you've cut down for firewood, mm -hmm. then there will be none left in the ground. Okay. 
Okay. So if you go to those sites that are pretty young, like five-year-old or seven-year-old, you won't find anything. So the volumes of dead wood are low. And then slowly trees will start colonizing that site and eventually branches will fall or they other trees might die. And so you might start finding more, de- more and more dead wood until um, there's a uh, closed enough canopy in the forest that you can have bigger trees establishing, like okay. old growth forest trees. Sure. And so those typically will be, will have a lot larger diameters and will be taller. So, you know, I assume that's around 50 years old because that's where my curve is plateauing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Um, and so in those situations, then you have, we found trees that have fallen completely, you know, not by wind or branches. And so those are much, much bigger. And, uh, I think at that point in succession, there's this mix of very old growth forest trees that are really large, but also pioneer trees that are medium size. And so there's constantly this like dead wood falling and falling. And so that makes it be really high and like kind of like stable over time. Wow. Okay. Um, all right, so maybe we can get into these questions mm-hmm. and we'll kind of sort of break down the decision-making from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess we'll start, we'll start from the start. Um, so the question is motivation. And you, you did touch on it in relation to um, looking at um, forest regeneration. Mm-hmm. But I guess what my question comes down to, what was it that really made you interested um, was it, say, for example, curiosity? Or was it a sense of difficulty, for example? Mm-hmm. Or was it something else entirely? For this particular topic? Um, for this particular topic and, and in general. And okay. In general. So I did my PhD because I initially was interested in tropical forest restoration. Uh, I guess because being from Bolivia, I've seen how my forests have been deforested really badly. Uh, and so I wanted to be able to learn how to um correct that okay and so obviously within my phd dissertation as i said before it is too little of a time i just have five years to like start a project but i guess the phd is a means to an end where i'm like already working in a restoration sites i'm already seeing certain things change in the restoration sites like the, the dead wood here um and yeah so hopefully this will lead me to a job in tropical forest restoration so i guess in my case i'm a scientist but i'm not really a scientist that is that driven by curiosity Mm -hmm. or difficulty it's more like forests are disappearing and i want them to see back okay yeah no that's interesting (laughs) because i i I am interested in whether there are a lot of people who have outcome orientation and it is very clear within conservation that is yes there's a clear goal. Yeah. There's a clear goal there. Yeah. Um, but the interesting side to that question is, of course, that as as you go, you're going to learn things mm-hmm. that are, that will help along the way. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, I suppose this will we'll get to the adaptation side after we after a moment. But mm-hmm. what is it that? Um, so the, I've got the question on trust involved in completing the search during prepa- during preparation. So. The idea of of trusting people that you don't necessarily know or don't mm-hmm. have connections with, and then beginning this research and say you've got that outcome in mind, um, is is that weighing on your mind in that search process to find the right information that will inform your research to hopefully help you, um, you know, in that with I, that outcome. Uh, I 
guess. So the thing with currently with my research is that um, I think I might be the first or second person who has evaluated how dead wood amounts vary through time in tropical forests. We know how they vary very well in the northern hemisphere, but not here. So in that regard, I guess the most I could do was look for methods, a lot of methods, and then try to compare what I get to what other people have gotten. Um, so yeah, I guess I did all I could to like find the best, you know, the maximum amount of papers that would give me good methods. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just came here and started yeah. my research. <laughs> okay. And I'll have to I'll have to trust that it'll be it'll be what I expect. But also, like if it's not what I expect, it's still interesting because it's still answering. Right. Well, it's, right. Uh, it really is addressing something. Like, yeah. and it, at the very least, it sounds like you're ruling something out if you yeah. get somewhere. Um, so you've really addressed the idea of risk already there within that. It's just like you kind of. It sounds like you're accepting that risk. If that's yeah. A, but I think I see research like that too, and it, well, I guess my advisor is this way too. You know, it's not so when you when you establish a hypothesis, it's because you're asking a question that it's because maybe you've observed things that you think are in a certain way, and you're asking the question to do the research to figure out if that's true. But if it's not true, it's not a bad thing because you you might find an even more interesting pattern. And like Bob says, like negative results are also results and sometimes very interesting results. Right. So. I, I yeah, completely yeah. agree. Um, well, you just said there was yeah, very little back, background research. I wonder if the idea has even come into your head, the idea of um, risking and challenging past research. Mm -hmm. Given that there's no past research, I suppose you didn't really have too much of that Yeah, I didn't involved. have that much of it challenging. Yeah. Oh, but what if there's, um, within other research, there's been a lot of research that goes into um, regenerating forests. Uh -huh. Was there any information you found within that was that was um, not lining up with you, what you were finding in any, in any manner? Well, let me think. Well, I guess more than challenging, I probably have just found that the pattern of recovery of dead wood here is very different than in uh, northern forests or s northern hemisphere forests. Okay. Yeah, because typically that the pattern of recovery in those forests is the shape of a U, so there's a lot of dead wood at the beginning, then it starts decomposing, so it disappears, then it goes down, and eventually goes back up. And okay. mine is very different because it's like low at the beginning, intermediate, then high and stable. Okay, it's just yeah. completely different. Is that is that? Do you think that's a commonality in tropical locations, or? Um, I guess we'd have to do more, well, more chrono sequences yeah. all over the tropics to see <laughs> that's that. That's not a bad thing. All right. Um, well, yeah. It's I suppose some of these questions are hard because they're clearly linked. But um, in relation to expectations, uh -huh. um, so is there a point that a I'll just read this out. Is there a point that a trust in in the selected method should be adopted? So I'm really saying. Um, so I'm trying to weigh up, you have these expectations, mm -hmm. but you also need to be prepared to, um, be adaptable. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Cause so. sometimes, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think, I know last year I had to be very adaptable for some things, but it was more, I guess I, I pretty much continued with the methods I had established. It was more a thing of like, we decided we're going to put 
things this way and we're gonna put this many logs and then i was like well i mean logistically i cannot introduce a thousand logs in these sites like yeah. that'll take me a year yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe i'll introduce less or um you know for the pitfall traps there was a way of doing you know a little roof for the traps that you know some papers said but not you know i didn't have the materials nor the workforce here to do that so i just used uh bamboo sticks and plastic uh, dishes to do the roofs yeah and yeah and sometimes also too you know it's um i guess adaptable too because i wasn't here in the pandemic so uh for the full month of may i couldn't go out so (laughs) that was delaying me (laughs) so i guess in that sense you just have to be adaptable and find out something that you can advance um and do awesome all right um so we've got the idea of um, cooperation, mm-hmm. and so who are you? This all this research has been done solely solely by yourself, or oh no no no, no. I've had many much many many helpers. Awesome. <laughs> uh, so yeah. I, I have two questions within that. I mean, please by by all means continue, but uh, mm-hmm. I have two questions that is just like simply on what type of people do you rely on mm-hmm. as, in terms of um, uh, expertise, and well, actually let's just go with that question okay. for now. Yeah. So, yeah, so last year, um, it was a little hard for me. I was actually really lucky, and I, I will definitely think of this next time I hire an assistant, because I hired someone who hadn't any experience in the field. He had experience in construction, so I was a little bit scared about how things would go, but, the, I mean, also the job we were doing was not really difficult, so I think. And it ended up being great, because this guy knew how to build everything, <laughs> like all the exclusions from my logs, we made them super, super nicely. He knew so, so many things that I, I thought, like, yeah, this is a great combination. Construction side. Someone who knows how to construct many things. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Um, so, second last question is on um, that satisfaction in this process. Mm-hmm. And disas- uh, sorry, and dissatisfaction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so is there a point in the research process that you find most enjoyable also most easy or maybe let's start by what's the most difficult okay okay <laughs> go from there uh yeah i guess the most difficult part is uh establishing your hypotheses like after you've read and read and read about that wood and the forest you're like well what hypothesis could i ever propose yeah <laughs> that is gonna make sense yeah and yeah starting starting that is hard uh Writing, starting writing is really difficult for me too, especially the introduction of the paper because that, that's where you have to sell your idea and like uh, see, say mm-hmm. why it's important. And like most people, of course, don't care about deadlocks on the ground. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, and the most enjoyable? Hmm. I mean, I guess I enjoy field work. Uh, I don't really enjoy field work, but I, what I enjoy about it is that I can see things that I would not normally see in a typical day because I'm here. So, like, we had to walk for long, long times sometimes, and so we would see, like, monkeys and all sorts of animals, even though we came, you know, back devoured by chiggers. Yeah. <laughs> it was <laughs> worth it because we get, we get to see that. And also, you know... Seeing that some of my hypotheses are actually true, that I was I was right, so that means that I, all the research that I did, that I you know that I thought I had done enough, the, a good enough job, 
to be able to predict certain things was obviously good because it, you know, the results are proving that what I was hypothesizing is correct. So it was somewhat gratifying, I suppose. Yes, it yeah. is gratifying. Okay. Yeah. Um, second last question. I'm interested in this. Um, so that question on uh, responsibility after going through all this, mm -hmm. especially after you talked about um, how, how, well, there's only two papers done on this. So mm -hmm. it seems absolutely necessary that you yeah. say what, so yeah, speak to that. Well, I think I will definitely say that there needs to be more research, uh, especially because uh, there's been papers recently that have shown that insects are declining. And given that dead pieces of wood on the ground are so important to them, I think it's even more important to do the research, especially in tropical forests, to like see how this element is recovered. And if it is recovering at all, I mean, we don't know that. Um, and so if that habitat is being provided for those organisms that use it. Okay. And um, it might be jumping the gun, but uh, would you recommend the same approach or would you recommend anything new? Um, I think kernel sequence would be a good... What, say one, say one more time. I, did, I didn't hear. What did you say? Oh, sorry. A chrono sequence. Okay. okay, so I didn't explain that. Sorry. No, oh, good. A chrono sequence is uh, a set of sites that have a similar history. So all my sites were former coffee plantations and that are of increasing ages. So you basically substitute space for time. So if I have like... Um, one forest that's five years old, one that's 10 years old, then 20, yep. 30, et cetera. I'll measure that with volumes in all of them. And I'll assume that if I was, you know, waiting 30 or 40 years doing that every time, mm -hmm. it is the same pattern that would be happening. I'm not okay. sure if that's clear. I think I, uh, no, I think I do understand. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, okay. So the final question, I, I actually didn't write it, but, um, it's sort of addressing what I'm doing, and it's just about doing your your take on science communication mm -hmm. and what you think of it in general. Oh, I think it's very important. Yeah. I think I, maybe more important than research itself. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Can you elaborate on um, where it's where it's important and what's um, maybe where you thought it's been successful and not successful? Well, I guess I'm more, I'm more in the area of conservation, so in that sense, I definitely think it's just important to inform people about, you know, the importance of biodiversity and why is it important to protect it, and I think maybe that might be more involved just in education in general of people. Um, what's your take on their understanding of it, hmm. especially especially the, com the complexity? Yeah, well... It's interesting because I guess at least here, you know, every time you go, you have to ask permission to a certain farmer to like measure dead logs on their forest ground. And yeah, they were like, you know, why do you want to measure? Just, just sure measure those logs. I mean, I don't care. I'm going to use it for firewood. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, it's interesting when you try to explain them that that's good, that there's nice insects, but then they tell you, no, 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 but insects will eat my crop. Right? right, so you have to you have to like find ways to like explain to them. Yeah, insects. Some insects are bad, but like a lot of those insects will pollinate your crop and then allow fruit to allow allow you to gather fruit afterwards. So you have 
you know, yeah. it has to be a balance. <laughs> and yeah, well, do you find that they're receptive to, to that information, information or? Um, uh, some of them, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, well, I think that wraps everything up. I appreciate it. I really do appreciate it. Um, Thank you. Yeah. and Tide is independent from the researchers on the podcast. If you wish to support them in any manner, a link is provided from the researcher to allow for this. This can be found on Portent Tide YouTube channel, Instagram, and directly through the Portent Tide website. If you enjoyed the podcast and you wish to support Portent Tide produce more conversations like this that provide an insight into how researchers work, you can do so directly through the links provided on the Portent Tide website or through wherever you found this podcast. Thank you again for listening and any support and feedback is much appreciated.